Please be seated. Would you pray with me as we get started? Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for your provision as we've just sung about. We open our hearts to receive you and to touch us, not just to bless us, but so that we may serve you better. In this time, we pray that you will reveal yourself in your word. Teach us how to move, to continue to follow you all our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we're getting started this morning, I want to share a couple of things with you. One is to just let you know that, you know, we here at the church are taking personal spiritual growth very seriously. We've been having a lot of conversation in the past year, both the church board and the church growth team level, talking about discipleship. We're continuing to have that discussion. Um, we've adopted this thing we call the roadmap that we talked about at council this year. Um, because we need a process to help us to get serious about helping people into the church to get really grounded in the Word of God and to grow in Jesus, to grow into maturity. And not just new people, but all of us. We need to continue to grow throughout our whole lives. We want this to be more than a place for casual Christians. We want this to be a place where we are serious about following God. And, and to not run the race to an in incomplete conclusion. We want to run the race all the way, all the way to the prize. And so in keeping that with that, I, you know, I recognize that this series that we've been doing might be a little bit of a challenge for some of you. You know, as we've thrown some things at you, it, it's real easy to put up a wall and say, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I'll go this far. I don't know if I'll go as far as, as you're suggesting, but I know it's a challenge. And and, uh, you know, we've been looking at some painful things, looking at our painful past sometimes, looking at persistent sin, looking at personal weaknesses, but uh, you're hanging in there. And I'm very proud of you for sticking it out. You know, I've heard a lot of comments from you and, and I encourage you, keep going, keep going. God is working in each of us and in this place. Um, I think back to when I went to Bible college and then into seminary, you know, and all the students I studied with in college, and there were so many eager young pastoral candidates, and so many of them now, as I, you know, I keep track of a lot of people on Facebook, it's a good way to connect, and so many of them now are no longer in ministry, at least not in pastoral ministry. Uh, some got discouraged, some got burned out. Uh, some kind of derailed for various reasons. Some are working in other kinds of ministries. Some retired. Um, a few have passed and gone to be with the Lord. Some are selling insurance. You know, that's, that's the way it's kind of turned out. As near as I can see, there aren't a whole bunch of us left from that original starting group. And, you know, it's not just us pastors uh, these days, I'm hearing more and more about Christians in general who are giving up the faith, uh, whole families who are no longer involved in church anywhere or not really following Jesus anymore, people who just essentially stopped and dropped out. And that's a little discouraging. It makes me think of Galatians 5 where it says, you know, you were doing so well. Who made you stop obeying the truth? I mean, that's a challenge, isn't it? 
The message I want to share with you today is highly important to your Christian faith. It's about how to finish the race, how to keep on going, how to continue growth in your entire life, because it's not a 50-yard dash. This is a marathon that we're running, right? It's for our whole lives to the very last breath. The Bible says this in 2 John 1.8. It says, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. You know, my prayer for you as your pastor and as your friend, is, as somebody who loves you, is that I don't want you to lose what you've already gained in your life. You've come so far, too far to quit the race before you reach the end. And I want to see you finish the race and get the prize that God has for you as we finish. That, that time when Jesus says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he takes you into, into his arms as you cross over that boundary into heaven. You ever watched a marathon? I, I've you know, attended a couple of them where I stood, you know, and you start, you go there for the beginning and then you come back later for the end because it's so, so long or you meet them along the way to encourage them on. And, and often at these events you go and there are so many runners at the beginning and there's this massive crowd and they start off and boom, man, everybody is so excited. But then by the end of the race, you're standing there and you're where'd all those people go? And they start trickling in one at a time, you know, and, and often there are people who just drop out along the way. They flame out, they, they go too fast at the beginning and burn out, so, you know, they don't make it all the way quite to the end. You know, at the beginning, there they are, you know, they're all fresh and clean and washed and and maybe new shoes, and their hair is good, and they're, they've got all this energy, and there's kind of like almost a little celebration at the beginning of the marathon, right? And then at the end of the marathon, it's kind of a different story. You see the people coming in, they're, they're dragging in. I've seen people come and fall off of a fall over the line, and or get a, you know another three yards and collapse, and and you know they're just getting, and they're dirty, and they're smelly, and you know it's like it's a whole different story at the end of the race. But you know something? You don't get the gold medal for starting the race. You get the gold medal for finishing the race. Amen? Today we're talking about the seventh choice and the choices that we've been talking about, healing choices. And today's is I reserve a daily time with God for Bible reading, self-examination, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. You know, there's three things that kind of leap out in that statement. You know, why are we doing this? We're doing this in order to know God first. That's the first thing. Second thing we're doing this for is to know his will for my life. And the third thing is to gain the power to follow his will. We need his power, don't we? This is the only choice in our series that, that doesn't have a beatitude attached. You might notice that this morning. Uh, but we did two last week, so you know it kind of counts extra, right? But it's all in, the same, all in the same vein. It's all in keeping with what we've been talking about. Spiritual growth is a choice. You know, I've, I've said that about revival sometimes. I think some people get really offended when I say that. And I'm not talking about the special move of God part I'm talking about the part where we submit our will to God, 
where we make that choice to follow God, when we make the choice to give everything over to God and let him do, invite him to do what he will do in our lives, you know, and that's the beginning of personal revival. And spiritual growth is kind of the same. You have to decide that you want to grow and be in a different place. It's intentional. Um, if you're going to be, well, let's think about this. What about a year from today? What about a year from today? You know, the end of February in 2024, uh, are you going to be a person who's grown in that time? Are you going to be somebody who has become more mature in your Christian faith? Because if you don't decide to do it, you won't grow. It's not going to happen. It's just going to be, you know, if you just say, well, I don't know where I'm going to be a year from now, well, then you won't be any place different. You're going to be in the same spot. If I'm going to be different next year, there are some things that, that probably have to change in my life. You know, some of those things we've been talking about, some of those painful past things that I've been dragging along, I have to let go of some of those things. And some of those persistent sins, I'm going to have to give those over to God and gain some forgiveness. And, and some of those personal weaknesses, I'm going to have to find strength in to be better than I was in the past year. Now, that's not wishful thinking. That's not, you know, the power of positive thinking. It's Bible thinking. It's Jesus thinking. You have to choose to spend time with God. You have to choose to read your Bible every day or listen to your Bible. There are lots of options to do that. You have to choose to look at yourself and then give yourself over, give over those parts that you know you haven't surrendered to God. You have to choose to do that. And you have to do that all the time. It's a continuous thing. And if you do that every day, if you do those things, if you're talking to God in prayer, if you're studying the word of God, if you're examining the, yourself to be honest with yourself, to give that part over to God, you know, if you do that, I guarantee a year from now, on this day, you will be different. You will have grown. You will have moved closer to maturity or deeper into maturity. I guarantee it. It's scriptural. But that's a choice. You have to continue to, to grow. You have to choose to grow. Most of the verses that we're going to use this morning have this word continue in because we need to keep that in mind. We can't stop. We need to continue to go forward. It's all about continuous growth. Growth is a continual process. I think some folks think it's once and done. You know, I came, I prayed my prayer. I, I'm now you know, come to Jesus and that's it, you know. And I'm just sit around waiting for eternity. <laughs> There's a British comedy that I've sometimes watched. It's called Waiting for God. And uh, it's about a group of people in a senior's residence. And they're, that's essentially, they're sitting waiting for God. It's, it's quite funny because of all the things they get up to. But, but that's not what we're doing. We're not just sitting waiting for God. We keep going and we keep growing and we keep serving, and we keep following God. Uh, if you're not growing, you're dying. You know that? <laughs> you know, every day your, your skin cells fall off. Every day there's all kinds of things that happen in your body. If you're not growing, you are dying. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible suggests seven things that are needed in order to continue in the faith. And the first one is to fix a daily time with God. 
Fix a daily time with God. That means you nail it down. That means you make a plan and you stick to the plan. Say, this is going to be my date with Jesus every day. You know, all through Scripture, you're taught that you have to be connected. You have to be connected with God in order to have the life of God in your life, right? I worked in ministry uh, several years ago, or right, actually right before I came here, I worked in a ministry, and we had a, a little cooperative garden in the back. And, you know, if you worked in the garden, if you took your turn working in the garden, then when the harvest came at the end of the year, and it was actually fairly big, it was about the size of this room, and, and, and when the end of the year came, we all got to share in the bounty and whatever came in. And one of the places, you know, we tried to use every bit of space, and at the back there was an old clothesline set up, and we decided to grow Concord grapes back there. And, and they grew pretty well. They grew fast. Um, and our plan was, you know, we were going to get together and we were going to make a whole bunch of grape juice and, you know, kind of share it around, take it home to our families. But mostly the birds got the grapes. <laughs> And we even put nets over them and all this kind of stuff. And then pecking at the nets and trying to get through. What that accomplished was knocking a lot of the grapes off the vine. And so there was a lot of rotten fruit around the bottom, right? And it, it just, you know, what happens when you disconnect grapes from the vine? They, they don't grow, right? They, they just kind of rot. Nobody gets to eat them. Nobody gets to share them. They're just done. 1 John 2.28 says, Now, dear children, continue to live in fellowship with God. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branch. You cannot bear fruit apart from me. You cannot bear fruit in your life if you're not connected to Jesus. You just can't. It just isn't going to happen. It's like going through your power black. We had a power black out here a couple of weeks ago, you know, and, and uh, we weren't out for long, but... You know, when the power goes out, I forget. You know, you walk to the wall and you flip the switch. Well, dummy, the power's out, right? It's not going to come on. You can push all the buttons on, all your fancy appliances, all day long, and nothing is going to happen because there's no juice at the other end, right? What happens if you don't spend time with your spouse? What happens if you don't spend time with your husband or your wife? You're going to get disconnected. You're going to start feeling distant. You're not going to feel close in your relationship, and your relationship is going to suffer. And this is all especially true with God. It's true in any relationship. You know, you have to spend time with God in order to be close to God, right? To feel his love, to sense his presence. You know, a lot of people go, I, I don't feel God in my life. And I, How much time are you spending in the Word? Do you talk to him? How much time are you spending... In prayer, you know, is that happening? Are you setting aside a little time to do that? The Bible says, now dear children, continue to live in fellowship. I want to tell you that personally, you know, as a pastor, and you know, we're supposed to be people of the book, men of the book, men of God. We're supposed to be in the in the word all the time, and we are. But I'll tell you something, you know, I've been a working and doing this, I've been a Christian for 40 years now, as of this year. And, and the hardest thing in my life is to continue my commitment to spend daily time with God. After 40 years. Now, why is it so hard? Well, because everything fights against it. 
Because Satan knows that if he can keep you disconnected, you have no power. You have no defense. You have no strength. You don't have anything to hold up, and you have no strength against temptations. You know, Satan doesn't care what you do as long as you're, you know, you can do all kinds of good things, but he doesn't care what you do as long as you're not doing it with God. <laughs> it's Satan's number one purpose to keep you from God. That's his mission in life. And being in relationship with our God is our number one purpose, to praise and serve God daily, to, to bring glory to God. That's what we're here for. So he's going to try and keep you busy. He's going to, you know, if you're too busy for God in your life, then you're too busy. You're just too busy. Because you're putting everything else in, in front of the number one commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's first. That's first. You know, that gives you power. It gives you the ability to keep going. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 6, everyone who lives in union with Christ does not continue to sin. As we live in union with Christ, we're defeating Satan all the time. We're driving him back. When I'm connected with Christ, he gives me the power, the ability, the effort, the desire that I need not to do wrong and to do what's right in his eyes. One of the reasons I keep failing. One of the reasons I keep having persistent sin. One of the reasons for a lot of these personal weaknesses I have and the painful past things that I keep dragging along is because I'm not spending the time with God that I need to spend. And I need to do that. The Bible says, continue praying, keeping alert, and always thanking God. What does it mean to continue praying? It means just that. You know, we used to call it quiet time. I, I'm told, I was listening to an interview with Beth Moore the other day, and the younger woman who was interviewing, and she said, that there's, if there's one criticism I have, you have to stop using the expression quiet time. Because nobody young uses that expression. But what we're talking about is just spending a quiet moment with God, spending a little bit of time by yourself. I know that's hard in some of your households, you know, some of you with kids and everything else, but to find a little space to spend some time with God, to talk to God. And, and not just when you're having your quiet time, that special time set aside. It says continue praying. That means, you know, you can pray anywhere. You know, you can pray when you're walking along the road. Uh, my, my wife used to tell me that, you know, when I'm driving the car, I'm having these weird conversations. And, you know, now I'm so thankful for Bluetooth headsets and stuff because I used to be having these conversations. I'd be talking like no words coming out. I'd be just talking along like this, having these conversations, you know, in my head. And, and now I got an excuse. I got Bluetooth. You know, it looks like I'm actually talking to, you know, a person at the other end. But I am talking to a person at the other end. I'm talking to God. And I can get quite animated when I'm talking to God. What does it mean, continue praying? It means don't stop. Never stop. He's willing to listen to you even in the in-between times, when you're in the car, when you're working in the garden, when you're working with the kids, when you're 
in the kitchen cooking, you can keep talking to God all that time. Okay, so here's number two. Fill my mind with Scripture. Seems like a natural, doesn't it? If I'm going to make it to the finish line, I have to fill my mind with Scripture. You know, if you go without food, you start feeling weak, right? Your mind starts getting a little groggy. You go even longer without food, you start getting no energy. You get very lethargic, and you might want to lay down and go to sleep. And the same is true with God's Word. This is the food for our soul. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how Satan was pushed back. Jesus used that with Satan, didn't he? When he was tempted. Reading God's word is as necessary to your soul as eating food. If you don't eat the word of God, if you don't take in the word of God, your soul is going to feel it and you're going to feel weak in the Lord. I know some of you aren't much of readers. You know, I like to read, but I don't always get the time to read. But I do like to redeem the time. You know, I listen to, uh, listen to the Word a lot on my, uh, on my phone. Uh, you know, even Gideon's has a great free app that you can pick up a card on the table out there and put it in your phone. And uh, I use a Bible app on my phone now, I think, for about 10 years. It's called Bible Plus One. And, and it's really nice because it reminds you to read and all those kinds of things, but it has the word right there, or you can have it read to you, and you can listen to it if you're too busy. I know some of you guys are using Bible Gateway, and some of you are using Daily Audio Bible, and some of you are using the U version. Uh, or, or maybe you might want to try the old analog method. Just pick up the Bible and read it. <laughs> you know, we need to stay in the Word of God. However you take it in, you need to feed on God's word. It has to happen. You need to take it in in order to grow. You know, Sundays are not enough. We preachers would like in our ego to think that, you know, all oh, this great sermon's going to feed everybody all week. Well, that's great. You might forget about it five minutes outside the door. Or three. <laughs> but if you're in the word of God, you're getting fed. And you need to stay in it. You know, you don't just eat on Sundays and then fast for the rest of the week, do you? You need to take it in for your soul. To follow God, we need God's word to counteract all the garbage we get fed all the time. You know, we get bombarded with the world's opinion in everything. That makes us weak. And it makes us sick as Christians. It explains an awful lot of the last three or four years and where we've been as the church of God and why we so desperately need the move of God. What we need is to feed on God's word daily if you can. How else are you going to know the truth? What happens to me when I fill my mind with God's word? John says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We've got a lot of truth problems right now, don't we, in our world? We need to be able to discern the truth, and we can't discern by the Spirit if we're not pursuing the Spirit of God. 
We just won't have the discernment to discern what is true and what is false. And we need to put more positive content in our head than we put all that negative nonsense that we get. We need to fill our mind with the word of God. How do I continue growing? Fix a time with God daily. Fill your head, fill your mind with scripture. And that sets us free. Well, here's the third part. Focus on my goal and not on my habit. When I say habit, I mean, you know, those habits and hurts and hang-ups, those things that, that hold us back in life and keep us from following God closely sometimes. Those sins, those weaknesses, those failures that we have, those things that you don't like in your life. What I'm saying is, if you want to grow, you have to focus on what you want, but not where you've been, what you don't want. Now, why is this so important? It's important because of the way that God designed the universe. One of the, one of the laws in the universe is called the law of attention. Do you know, have you heard of the law of attention? Do you understand what it is? The law of attention is that, that whatever you focus on will attract you. You'll be drawn towards it. Have you ever stood at the edge of a, a high height and, and you look down and you feel kind of drawn towards it. And then you, you know, it's a weird feeling, but it's a, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a psychological thing called the law of attention. Whatever you focus on will attract you. It pulls you. And, and it's natural for us to fall, focus on something. It's the way God designed us, right? So we could get stuff done. That's why the scriptures tell us to fix our eyes on what? On Who? On Jesus, right? It says Jesus, he's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We're to fix our eyes on him. We're not the perfecter. If we focus on our problem for prolonged periods of time, that often makes the problem worse, or at least seem to be worse, right? It makes it bigger in our head. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the goal. You know, we look back at our hurts and failures and we look kind of down at these problems that we're standing in, but we can't stay focused there. If we stay focused there, we're going to be in trouble. We need to bring those things into the light to be healed. We need to take them to the foot of the cross to be forgiven. It's part of this healing and growing process that we need to do this continually. When we fall, what do we do? And we just lie there and wallow in the mud. No, we get back up again. And we keep going. We focus on the goal. That's Jesus himself. You know, Satan will try to define you by your past, right? You know, every little sin that you ever committed, everything that ever went wrong in your life, Satan will bring those things up at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's all going to happen. It's just like, oh, I wish I'd never done this. I wish I hadn't done, you know, it's all this stuff. He'll try to keep you focused on your pain, too. But what did Paul say? I like the way the New Living Translation says it in Philippians 3. It says, I don't mean that I've already, I'm already as God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal, but I continue trying to reach the goal and make it mine. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason he made me his. No, I'm still not all that I should be. But I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past 
and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. You ever try driving by looking in your rearview mirror? I remember when we, got a, when we were a family, we got all these, we got a little pop-up trailer and we'd go camping and man, it always used to just break my head trying to reverse my, you know, I'm backing that thing in and trying to get it straight and get it where, if you drive a long time, especially if you try to drive down the highway by your rear view mirror, you're gonna crash. You're not gonna get where you need to go. You're not gonna finish the race. So it's that daily time with God filling your mind with God's word and focusing on his goal for your life. Focus on the future, not on the past. I know leaving the past is hard, especially with sin and temptation, but the Bible doesn't promise us that our life is going to be temptation-free. What happens when you get in? What happens if you, you do fail? What happens if you do sin? Well, that's, that's our fourth step here. I face and forsake my failures quickly quickly. You're going to stumble in life. It's going to happen. It happens to all of us. It happens to me. The key is to face and forsake my failures very quickly. I don't cover them up. I don't blame others. I don't excuse myself. I own up to it. Boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? It's a whole lot easier to do that than it is to say that, right? (laughs) But our first instinct has become very defensive. I want to shift the blame to somebody else or to something else. That's my first instinct. But, you know, Proverbs 28, 13 says this, people who cover over their sins will not prosper. Whoa. <laughs> you know, it's not that you want to go around with your sin on a T-shirt. You know, I see a lot of people do that. But put your favorite sin on your T-shirt and walk around and expose that sin of yours. We bring it to God. And we have God's help to get back on the right path and to go forward. What's the rest of that proverb say? It says, but if they confess and forsake them, meaning their sins, they will receive mercy. I find it's hard to confess the sin that I'm in right now. I find it really easy to forgive the, or to confess the sin to God that I committed a long time ago. <laughs> but my emotions and my ego are wrapped up in what's going on right now. And so it's really hard. You know, I, I, you ever get, you're in a conversation, you know, man, I just, I just crossed the line there. I, I just committed a sin. I just hurt somebody. I just, you know, you, you feel it in the moment. But do you go to God about it in the moment? Not usually. <laughs> It, it seems to be harder for some reason. My ego is all wrapped up in that. But I need to quickly confess my sins. I need to forsake instantly or really quick. I think it's one of the keys to spiritual growth. Um, you need to let go quickly and not let those sins pile up in your life. And I need to do that too. I need to keep short accounts with God. I need to take out the garbage on a daily basis. We talked about that in a previous sermon. The quicker we do it, the better. That's how we deal with those little relapses in sin. Don't take on shame. Take it to God. That's how he intends. Well, how do you do that, you know? 
Well, we have a little self-examination. We do a spot check on ourselves. How am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling that way right now? Maybe do a daily examination. Confess to God what really didn't go well today and then ask forgiveness if you need to do that. The Bible says, let us examine our ways and let us test them and return to the Lord. You don't beat yourself up. You don't tear yourself down. You bring it to the Lord and you confess it and you ask forgiveness and ask God to help you get back on the path because you need his strength to do that, right? Bible says this in Psalm 103, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases and he keeps me from the grave and blesses me with love and mercy. It doesn't say he criticizes me. It doesn't say he dumps all kinds of judgment and scorn on me. It says he blesses me with love and mercy. And I am so thankful that God gives me what I need and not what I deserve. Amen? Because we deserve something else. But we get God's mercy and God's love. Well, there's three quick things we're going to get through here. Uh, if I'm going to finish the race this morning, I need to get through them. So uh, I want to be all that God wants me to be. And I'm sure you do too. And so I have to fix that time with God. I have to fix his word in my mind. I have to focus on the future and on Jesus himself. And I have to forsake and forgive and face my failures pretty quick. Here's the fifth thing. Flee temptation, but don't fear it. Flee temptation. So many people, when they get tempted, they get so intimidated by that temptation. It's like they shouldn't be tempted, right? It's, it's not a sin to be tempted. I hope you hear that. Don't feel guilty because you're tempted. Let me repeat that again. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. And those are two entirely different things. Two things altogether. The Bible says Jesus was tempted at all points as we are and yet sinned not. Now, there are Bible scholars who will try to rationalize that away. Surely he didn't mean in every way Jesus was tempted. Surely he was only tempted in some ways, and kind of symbolically he was tempted in the rest. That's not what Scripture says. It uses the words every way. It means every single way that we can possibly be tempted. But Jesus did not give in to it. Temptation is not a sin. It's what you do with that temptation, right? Have you ever, you know, just been walking along, you get this really gross thought comes into your head. It's like, where did that come from? Or you're in the middle of prayer and the same weird gross thought comes, boom, jumping in. It's like, I'm talking to God here. I can't be thinking about this. Where did that come from? It didn't come from God. That came from Satan. That's where that came from. Satan, when God gives you an idea, it's called inspiration. When Satan gives you an idea, it's called temptation. When God gives you an idea, you're inspired. When Satan puts those thoughts in your head, you're tempted. What do you do with those things? Well, what you do with those things determines whether it's good or bad, right or wrong, righteous or sinful. 
Don't be intimidated by temptation. Just say, I know where that came from. Get out of here, Satan. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. That's what we're taught to do. I love this. Uh, Rick Warren says that when he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. (laughs) We know what's going to happen to Satan, and it's not good. He doesn't have a future. You do. By the way, let me explain the difference between lust and attraction, because I think that's important when we talk about temptation, especially right now in this culture, in this day that we're in. Attraction is not sin. Lust is. It is very normal for men and women to be attracted to each other, to be attracted to beauty. And attraction is not lust. It's what you do with it. God wired us men and women, to be attracted to one another. That's not lust. That's attraction. But it's what you do with it. You know, if you start mentally undressing the other person, if you start wishing that you could have sex with that person, you know, now we've crossed into lust. Now we're not in attraction anymore. And that needs to be repented of and confessed to God. And, you know, sometimes that attraction gets messed up And women are attracted to women. And men are attracted to men. What does that mean? We live in a broken world. And you need to decide what you're going to do with that attraction. Do you do what God says to do with it? Do you give it to him? Do you refuse to act on it? It's what we do with it that makes it right or wrong. Maturity, spiritual maturity, is when I don't act on my attraction. I act on my commitments. I act on God's commands. That's maturity in Christ. So I flee temptation. I don't fear temptation. When temptation comes into your mind, don't get intimidated by it. Because you know where that came from. You reject it. And give those things to Jesus, and you move on. Sometimes we get ashamed of being tempted. We say, like, I've been a Christian for 40 years. How come I'm still dealing with this same thing? But let me tell you, let me let you in on a little secret here. The closer you get to God, the more Satan's going to attack you. The more he's going to try and get you off the rail and into toxic territory. That's when we need to be on our guard. That's when we need to put on that full armor of God that it talks about in Ephesians 6. And you know, given the right situation, we don't like to think this, and we probably don't think of it ourselves. I remember, you know, a famous Christian leader who said, I never, ever envisioned it happening to me before he got into an adulterous relationship. He said, I, I never would have thought it would happen to me. But, you know, given the right timing and circumstances, I think that attraction to sin, that magnetic attraction that is the sin nature, I think we have to admit that there but for the grace of God go I. That could be me in that situation. And so we need to put our trust in God and walk humbly before our God and not get prideful about things like that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be alert. I want you to circle, if you're, if you're following the outline this morning, circle be alert. 
Continue strong in the faith. Have courage and be strong. That means you need to know what tempts you and you need to stay away from it. If you don't want to get stung, don't go hang out with the bees. John Baker says, if you hang around the barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. (laughs) It's true. If you have a problem with alcohol, you don't go for a sandwich in the bar. You don't go into the bar at all. You stay away from it. A friend of mine who was really struggling with lust, and one day he said to me, well, I go to Hooters because they have good ribs. I'm thinking, which ribs are we talking about here, brother? (laughs) So we need to know what tempts us, and when it tempts us, and where it tempts us, and, and who tempts us, and just stay away. In those situations, I always think of Joseph when Potiphar's wife started putting the moves on him. He was out of there. He listened to God. He left so fast, he left his coat behind, and that's what got him in trouble. (laughs) Okay, so here's number six. is form an ongoing support group. This is super, super important. If I'm going to make it to the finish line, if I'm going to grow continuously, I have to have the support to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it on my own. So who is in your corner? Who's your accountability partner or partners? You know, a couple of my same-sex attracted friends, they find that in their case, accountability is better in a group, not in a one-on-one kind of an experience. And that's very helpful to them. Small groups could be one of those places, or a men's group, or a women's group, or with a prayer partner. Don't, Don't try to go alone, because alone doesn't work. It usually backfires. Uh, you know, at a particularly vulnerable point in my life, I met with a couple of guys, and uh, we got together every Wednesday evening, and we did that for six years. And we saw God do miracles. It was amazing what God did in that little group of three men. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Amen? Paul said, we are confident that God will continue to rescue us since you are also joining to help us when you pray for us. We need other people in our life. You're not going to get there on your own. That's just it. Okay, and here's the last one. Follow Christ to the finish line, simplest and best. God brought you here today to say this to you. Don't give up. You know those little white signs that we've been putting on our, on our lawns for the last couple of years? That, that don't give up campaign, that applies to you too. <laughs> it's not just for the people driving down the road to see. We need to trust God who will bring to completion what he started in your life. You know, when we started here this morning, we started talking about a marathon, right? And and about how sometimes a marathon starts with a huge group of runners and ends with just a few or a smaller group coming in across the line. But you know, there's one marathon that that never happens. You know what that is? It's the Boston Marathon. The Boston Marathon has a huge percentage of people finish. In fact, uh, it it has a consistent 95% finish rate. 95%. And why is that? Why that marathon against other ones? 
fact, the women have a little better figure. Theirs is 96%, by the way. <laughs> the ones who were shut out of the Boston Marathon to begin with. But why is it that that race is more successful than any other? It's because they trained hard and they were ready when they began. In fact, they were ready to finish the race before they started to run it. That's how we need to be in the Lord. We want to finish the race. We need to do the same kind of things. One of the promises of the Bible is in Philippians 1.6. It says, I'm sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue this work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus comes back. Galatians 6.9 says, don't get tired of doing what's good. Don't get discouraged and give up, for we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. God brought you here today to hear this. Don't give up the race. Don't give up. He who began will finish it in you. Keep following Jesus all the way to the finish line. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you created us to grow. And with that seed of Christ that you planted in our hearts, I think your desire is just to see us grow into big trees bearing lots of fruit. Help us to remain diligent in our spiritual disciplines. Help us to spend regular time with you, even if it's just brief at first. Lord, open your word up to us by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can hear you speak through it. Help us to retain that scripture that we study. And Lord, I admit, sometimes I take my eyes off of you and I get focused on my problems and my failures and other things. And, and I, I present those now to you and ask you to heal them and forgive them. Just wipe out their power in my life, Lord. Help me to stay focused on you so that when temptation comes my way, as I know it's always going to do, that I may flee it but not live in fear of it. Lord, today, I commit myself to follow you all the way to the finish line. Help me to do so, because I can't do it on my own. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.